everybody, and welcome to Blizzard Watch, the podcast where we watch Blizzard Entertainment and its many games, and also we go kill Ordos and he drops nothing. That's how it works. That's what we do every single week. Not that I'm obsessed or anything. Anyway, I'm Matt Rossi. I'm the host, and with me this week is my fantastic co-host, Ann Stickney. Ann, how you been? I've been doing okay. Good. Been doing all right, yeah. for the most part. Got a bunch of Pokemon stuff done. Did the 8.2.5 stuff. Went a little nuts with it. Yeah. I, I went and did, did you, it. You, I did it on both the lion side, and then I went and did it on horde side too, so that I could like see both sides of it. And um, for those wondering, we talked about part of that on Lore Watch this week because it is weekly now. Uh, if you missed it, the latest Lore Watch came out on RSS back on Wednesday, and the next one will be out next Wednesday. Hey, good to know. Yep. That's what we do now. We we do a Lore Watch every week. Like, yes, like maniacs. <laughs> crazy crazy maniacs uh so anyway um for myself i've been doing this this thing where i kill lordos and get nothing yay uh other than that i guess we should talk about some interesting little top stories it weren't that many this week it was kind of a slow week because we're heading we're heading full bore into blizzcon time so it's gonna it's we... gonna be like the, the water level dropping just before a giant wave comes over and crushes everything yeah it's kind of like we're, that they're they're prepping up for blizzcon because it's less than a month away oh my gosh it's less than a month away but it's less than a month away now so everybody's prepping and getting ready for that and everything and all of the announcements that are going to be at blizzcon which means we're probably not going to see a ton in the way of news in the next several weeks um so if you guys want to send us emails and ask us questions about things, that'd be good because this would be the time to do it. Um, but yeah, as far as new stuff goes, not a whole heck of a lot. Mind you, we did just get 8.2.5 and that did give us a bunch. So, you know. Yep, that's true. Yeah. But so anyway, we should probably talk about what we do have. Uh, first up, this one was interesting because it actually opens up some other stuff. Uh, Jeff Kaplan, you all know Jeff Kaplan, Jeff from Overwatch, uh, also formerly known as Tiggle. Jeff from the Overwatch him. team. Yep. Used to work on World of Warcraft and did a cool video a little while ago uh, playing WoW Classic again and reminiscing. Um, he basically said that he right now they were there's been some talk about Overwatch characters popping up in Super Smash Brothers because, you know, everybody eventually gets to Super Smash Brothers if they're on Nintendo in some way. And Jeff said something to the effect of that he would be fine if every po- any possible Overwatch character ended up in Smash Brothers. That'd be okay. He basically him. said, whatever character you guys want to use, go for it. Yeah. And that has people thinking various things. Uh, I thought it was worth discussing. First off, Anne, what character would you want to see if they if they used an Overwatch character in Smash Brothers? Who would you want to play there? Honestly, um, okay. So here's the thing with with taking characters from Overwatch into Smash. Smash itself is kind of like, I don't want to call it a 2D game because it's not. It's like really, really pretty actually, but you're fighting like traditional fighting style. So you're looking at a screen where two people, you know, the characters are jumping at each other. It's not like a side scroller, but it plays kind of like one from that viewpoint, that perspective. And I'm sure there's probably a better word for that perspective, but I'm not a game designer. So I apologize. Um, Overwatch, however, is a first-person shooter. So what you have to look at here and what you have to kind of consider is with these first-person shooter characters, would their attacks that look really good in first-person mode, would they look just as good if they were going side-to-side on a map and smash, that kind of thing, Um, and how they would work? It was actually kind of interesting because um, I think it was Tyler. Tyler mentioned that somebody had done a workshop mode um, and I, it's in the article that he posted cause he posted, he posted a quick article about, um, Kaplan saying that Nintendo could put any character into it. Um, so in this workshop mode, the heroes, they're tweaked work on a 2d plane pretty much and, and kind of act like they are in smash already. So if you go look at that and you look at streams playing that workshop mode, you can kind of see what it would look like in action. And there are some characters that immediately work better than others. Um, and for me, it's a combination of who worked better on a 2D plane and also which one of these characters would be flashy enough that they'd be really cool and they wouldn't resemble anything that Smash already has. Because Smash has the biggest cast of characters, right? you can pick from so many different characters in that game. So I'm thinking that like Moira would be an interesting choice because visually speaking, her beams are really pretty, but also the fact that she can like damage heal that kind of thing 
that's kind of interesting to me. Also, Reinhardt seems to be work seems to work really well in that context. I hadn't thought about him before, but after seeing him in the workshop mode, I'm like, yeah, he could be really fun. Um, and I also think that flying characters like Farah, Farah would be really fun. I think Diva could be an interesting choice. Um, I don't think Tracer so much, even though it's it's kind of funny because when they announced that Overwatch was coming to the Switch, right? I had, well, there's a group of people that I play Pokemon Go with. As soon as that was announced, everybody in the Pokemon, Pokemon Go group was like, Tracer and Smash! And then they're like, wait, actually, the more we think about that, the more that's not the greatest idea. Because I don't know how well she'd telegraph on a 2D plane, and it'd also be really hard to track her, and she doesn't really do anything, like, super, super fancy. Huh. And then we went to other characters. So, yeah. I I'm thinking that anything that is... Any character that is kind of visually flashy... I think Hanzo would be a really good one, too, because I want to see the dragons. I want to see his alt dragons in Smash. I think that'd be pretty rad. Anyway. I'm going to be up front. The thing yeah. I mean thought when I heard this was, wait a minute. Blizzard already has a different game on the Nintendo Switch. Where's my Diablo 3 characters in Smash? Yeah, I know, right? Because the Barbarian, <laughs> just, just get the Barbarian in there, uses a couple of giant weapons, and, you know, call it a day. Juggles people right off the side. You you don't have to worry too much about it. It would look fine. If you're going with Overwatch, I'd take Doomfist. Because a lot of Doomfist stuff is about crashing down on people and smashing them with a big hand. I think that's Yeah, pretty but he's kind of similar flavor to the stuff that they already have. So I'm like, if you're going to pull yeah. something from Overwatch, pull something that's different and kind of unique. You know what I mean? I'm really a big fan of just having multiple versions of the same thing, slightly different. Like, uh, to, to use another example of it, I, I love having both Crusaders and Barbarians in, in Diablo 3 because they don't play the same, but they do kind of the same role the same way. It's all melee focused, but the way they do the melee is different. But, you know, your point's valid. To, to be honest, I only play Smash when I'm visiting people who've got the proper system because I, I haven't shelled out for Nintendo system in a while. It has been a while since I've been able to afford a Nintendo system. It was so. one of those, uh, it was one of those um, fun party games that you pull out when you have a bunch of people over. It's like, hey, let's play Smash. And then everybody plays Smash. That yeah, so I, and it was a, I'm going to date. I'm going to date myself, but um, Soul Calibur was the other one that we played a lot. <laughs> See, I remember when the GameCube came out and they had uh -huh. the uh, the Godzilla game. That was a great game, the Godzilla fighting game that was on the GameCube. Oh, okay. I wish that game. Was I still thought you were out. talking about yes. Rampage, and I'm like, that's real old. No, nope, this was an actual <laughs> Godzilla game. Okay, this is a straight up. I think it was like destroy all monsters or whatever. It was oh. really good. Yeah, I remember that one. I never played that one, but I remember seeing it out there. Yeah, it was the, the GameCube was the last Nintendo console I actually bought. Oh, okay. Uh, and so I, I remember having it, and I it was like around 2000, 2002, and playing stuff on that. But yeah, I, I just I am I think we it's used interesting to play to Soul Calibur on the Dreamcast. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm not gonna say anything bad about the Dreamcast. That was a heck of a console. No, but it was a very old console. <laughs> yeah, but you know, now that we've covered that, we should probably talk about the. As we said before, BlizzCon 2019 is getting closer and closer. And uh, one of the things that happened this week was they announced what you get for the virtual ticket. So most uh, of what you get for the virtual it, yeah, ticket. We don't. We, there's still a few things we don't know about, but the the one big thing that comes to mind right off the top of my head is the Wendigo Woolies. Okay, uh, if they don't have just... a real life version of those for sale at BlizzCon, I think people are going to riot. I'm just amazed that this onesie has become the talk of the town. There was a really it's cool so thread cute. on Twitter. Of, there was a thread on Twitter where I think Steve Danuser again, when he's not busy mocking me, uh, he went and he said, "Someone send me pictures of somebody wearing these Wendigo Woolies doing one of Taryn Gregory's amazing in-game cinematics." And of course, immediately, you know, he was flooded with them because you know people were like, Are "Well, you yeah, me? of course." I've waited all my life for this. <laughs> the one that I really loved is the one where you're confronting um, Agramar uh, in Legion, just in front of the yes, the, and it's just. It's you with the with the steely look on your face, but you're wearing a onesie. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like, and the thing is, the onesie is actually four or five pieces. It's not just one piece, so you can mix and match. You can have the head and your regular armor set, or you can wear just the torso and you know regular armor pieces around it. 
So yeah, it's kind of. I did not know crazy. this because I haven't picked up the virtual ticket yet. I need to. I need to pick it up. Actually, that was on my list of things to do this weekend. But um, now that I know that, I'm like, maybe I'm just gonna like rock the slippers forever. <laughs> yeah. This. If just for that alone, but there's also like there's some stuff like for D. There's like some D3 stuff for WoW and WoW stuff for D3 and so forth. There's there's a few other things that that have been announced. Um, it just it's really starting I, to get real. Yeah, and I think what I really want to talk about here, though. Okay, number one, Heroes of the Storm. If you're playing Heroes of the Storm, you get a Celestial Deep Crawler mount, which is a crab that runs sideways, and it looks like a constellation, and it's super cool. Um, enjoy that, guys, because it's pretty rad, and I wish I had it in World of Warcraft. Um, but the other thing that I thought was absolutely amazing. Overwatch players get two legendary skins, and it's Genji with an Illidan skin, and it's Ter Symmetra with a Tyrande skin, and they look beautiful. Um, have you seen these? I've There's... seen the Illidan skin, and he looks like Illidan. I didn't even know that was a Genji skin. No, There's that's, like nothing that's, about it. That is a Genji skin, and there is a Tyrande skin for Symmetra that looks... They, they're both just... It looks like World of Warcraft in Overwatch. It's just the coolest looking thing. I think it's great. Um, it's not quite the same costumes and not quite the same weapons, obviously, because, you know, you're kind of limited as to the scope of what you can do. I mean, Symmetra still has to do her Symmetra attacks and Tyrande doesn't do anything like that in Warcraft, but that's okay. Um, Genji, Genji has his sword or whatever, so he has the Warglaives like uh, on his I don't, no, I don't even think he's carrying the Warglaives. The Warglaives aren't present, but it's okay because all of the weapons that he does have are that whole kind of green jade color with the glow around the edge, and it's all kind of evocative of the Warglaives of Azanoth. It, they just look cool. They look amazing. And I'm sitting here going, ooh, can we get World of Warcraft skins for, like, everybody? Because that would be really fun. Just call it, just call it, call it blizzard world skins <laughs> give us oh god <laughs> yeah <laughs> now you can you can they've already got some skins from blizzard world like i know they have the right barbarian skin don't they yeah oh i just imagined all the stuff you could do mm -hmm. you know you could have starcraft skins you could have wow skins oh my god you do can realize you eventually like they a, a heroes of the storm skin in overwatch even though heroes of the storm is kind of like outside that would just be weird I would like to see that. I want to see like I want to see uh, Widowmaker. I want to see Widowmaker with the white main skin that just came out. Yes. <laughs> okay, I'm sitting here like getting. We're going into like Skinception here. I so know. It's like, like I know. Yeah. Ah. Speaking of uh, skins, StarCraft two players, you're going to get three Brood War skins. There's the classic Battle Cruiser, classic Ultralist, and the classic Carrier. Uh, Diablo three. They they we don't know what they're going to get and and it's it says PC not console for some reason just PC um something about a pair of wings and that more details are going to come later but that's it yeah i'm not surprised i'm, yeah. I'm amazed that even that cuz considering that D3 didn't get anything for uh battle for azeroth so it's not i'm actually a little surprised they're going to have anything for them so We'll see. Oh, and we didn't talk about the Murloc pets. I'm sorry. We should talk about the Murloc pets because there's two Murloc pets uh, that represent each faction leader. There's Findwin for the Alliance and there's Gilvanus for the Horde. And they're basically Murlocs that are themed after Sylvanas and Antwin. And they're super cute. And they have like unique animations and stuff. And I kind of love them. So yeah, Virtual yes. Ticket has all kinds of goodies. Yeah. So um, I think that's it. Is there anything else? What, as um, far as news yeah. goes? Yeah, I don't think we had anything else. Uh, no, there's no other like real big news or anything like that. I was poking around on Twitter earlier today oh, and I noticed oh, oh. that they were... One thing I should mention, yeah. What? 8.3 has been put on the PTR, but it's encrypted. Yeah. So we don't it's... know anything about it. We just, just that know there. that it's there. So people that were wondering, is 8.2.5 going to be the last patch? No, it's not, guys. No. It's not. That was kind of silly to begin with. I think people have been kind of getting a little see, I guess, but I feel but like yeah. 8.3 8 is, like I said, or like you said, it's it's on the PTR. We don't know what's on it. We just know that it's there. It's present. Nothing's been yeah. rolled out yet. I have a feeling that we probably won't 
see anything about it until I have a feeling that maybe this is something that they're going to mention at BlizzCon. Like they're going to they're going I, to talk about that in detail at BlizzCon. I would imagine it, it yeah. feels very much like what they did at Legion. That I, I do definitely think we're going to hear more about this patch and get a kind of in-depth rundown of it. Do you think we're going to get a teaser for the next expansion? Almost certainly. I don't. I don't imagine how they could go into this this BlizzCon and not do a teaser for the next expansion, especially if 8.3 is going to be the big hotness they talk about at BlizzCon, that I would, I would be amazed if they didn't drop something. Cause they've been doing a pretty, pretty standard, like, you know, from Legion to, to battle for Azeroth, they've been hitting these notes pretty consistently. Like when patches at come the out, very least, at the very least during the closing ceremony, the like drop a trailer or drop a something if they don't do it I during the opening it. ceremony it'll be like here's the footnote to the whole thing bam drop the mic walk off the stage you know <laughs> I, would, I would be amazed if they didn't mention it I, I just flat out would be plus i'd get to throw mitch in something so you know win-win yeah it would be good either way but, yeah because yeah, uh, mitch was you know saying but, stuff but you were saying you were uh, saying before i interrupted you uh, the other thing that I noticed uh, earlier today, they were taking down the arena, the Overwatch arena. It's going bye-bye. And uh, they posted like uh, a small video of the empty the empty space. Where, what are where they going to do to replace it? Home, home and away everybody's doing Everybody's doing home games and away games and things this year or next year. So yeah, it's gone. It's like, oh, bye-bye. I wish I had gotten a chance to go to a game there, but that's okay. So yeah, it's uh, there's a big shift going on with the Overwatch League, and it's going to look a lot different next year. Um, in terms of, I'm see that's the thing. I'm kind of like wondering how that's going to affect things because while the Overwatch League was at the Blizzard Arena, Blizzard had the capability to run every broadcast and make sure that it was very consistent and everything looked the same and the observer software was all, you know, everything was all hammered out. It was very cohesive and everything. And by splitting everybody up, it's like, well, what's going to happen here? Are there going to be like individual teams with or, or individual are there going to be production teams with each of the individual Overwatch League teams? Or is Blizzard going to send a team out to these matches? Like, how is that going to work? You know, how are they going to make people call? How are they going to have people call in the place? I, I don't know how it's going to work exactly. And I'm kind of interested in seeing how that all happens. I just had like a little bit of a nostalgic awe moment when I saw the empty studio because I was like, I, I remember when they announced they were getting a studio and all of us were just like, what? okay, well, I guess they're taking this seriously. And I remember, like, the opening games from the studio, and everybody was just like, whoa, this set is amazing. So, yeah, seeing it go back to empty was kind of a little bit sad. Oh. Okay. Also, um, we probably want to mention that we are looking for writers. That that, that might yeah, be it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, uh, we have a post up on the site. If you, you know, if you're listening to this, you know, while we're streaming it, you can go to the site and find it pretty easily and i'm sure we could probably put a link to it in the post when we put this up on the site but yeah we, we have a uh we're looking for writers we're looking for somebody to do like daily news and breakouts and stuff uh the, the post covers what we need so yeah it's I'm, not, pretty much... I'm not the one who wrote it so i'm like oh i don't remember no we're, we're we're looking for people who know a little bit about everything and are capable of writing you know general news posts and things like that we're not looking for people that are super specialized in one game over another um, although, you know, that's kind of handy, I guess, if you have an area of expertise, but, um, we're, we're just kind of like looking for people that have the flexibility to write about a variety of games. And if you do have any expertise, we're particularly looking for Diablo or Hearthstone right now. Um, basic image editing skills. If you know how to like resize images and you have the capability of doing that, that's great too. And also we would like you to be able to write. And by right, I mean, you know how people poo-poo grammar and things like that? Yeah, you can't do that when you're writing for a living. So make sure you know how to spell and put sentences together because that would be a bonus. Okay. Anyway, uh, we're taking applications through October 14th. So if you're looking, go check out this post on the website and throw your hat in the ring. Come on. Come work with us. Maybe we'll eventually drag you on the podcast and embarrass you in front of all these people. Maybe we'll have We've Rossi throw you in a pool. <laughs> nah. No, we won't do Mitch. that. <laughs> that's, that's just Mitch. That's, that's special. Just Mitch. That's special. Yeah, I don't, don't want to dirty it. Mm -hmm. 
But yeah, okay, that pretty much covers that. So we're going to move on to some emails. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have an email for the show, as always, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or Blizzard Watch so we know what's for this show. Or you can go to our Discord server. Um, we have one. There's a patron queue and podcast questions that we, you know, love to take. Some. In fact, one of them is from this one this week. We, we go there and we look and see if there's any for the podcast and we put them there as well. Uh, Anne's going to read them for us, so if you don't mind taking it away, Anne. Yeah, and be sure you drop those emails to us, guys, because like we said, next few weeks here, news is probably going to be a little light, so we can always use more emails and stuff to talk about. And this is a good opportunity to get your questions answered, because we'll have plenty of time to answer a lot of questions. Uh, so this one is from Ruana, a dwarf shaman on Wormrest Accord. Shout out to Wormrest, my server. Anyway, uh, they say, hello, Blizzard Watch friends. If you could create an original character for the Warcraft universe, someone who would have existed all the way back in vanilla, what sort of character would you create? And how would their story and relationships evolve with the different expansions? Thanks so much for all you do, Ruana. I'm going to let you answer that first. Well, it's going to be the same answer I always give. Uh, a guys, warrior? <laughs> well, yes, a warrior. But more importantly, I've wanted uh, I've wanted Anduin Lothar to have a secret daughter forever. I've wanted that character to show up grizzled, eyepatch wearing, you know, just, you know, the Commander Shepherd of Azeroth. Uh, she wouldn't have been in most of those expansions because she, you know, would just show up now-ish. Probably Legion, I would have probably put her in if I if I if I had a magic lamp and I could just wish her into the game, I would put her in around Legion and have her become kind of the Alliance Garrosh, for lack of a better word. Except not so much, not not as far as Garrosh went, but I would definitely have her as a much more aggressive. Because we've kind of we've gotten to the point where the only aggressive characters we had were people like Jaina, where she was like being portrayed as out of control and like you know consumed by vengeance. And now Taronda, we get the same thing. And that we we don't even have someone like even Sky Admiral Rogers as they always portrayed as you know they killed my family at at a uh, uh, South Shore so I'm angry about that I'd like one character who isn't particularly angry at the Horde but is just really about defending the Alliance it's just you know I'm I'm loyal to the Alliance I defend the Alliance you you keep attacking the Alliance so you're a threat and I'm going to deal with you it's I not that I hate characters. you it's that you yeah. keep putting us in danger. Yeah, if you stop attacking us, you will have no problem with me. But as long as I have to keep worrying about you, I'm going to do it my job. And like I said, I, I really do think I would probably be stealing the whole Commander Shepard character. It would definitely be someone who comes in, sees a situation, deals with it, and leaves. Um, in a way, she'd feel like a player character. And that would be an interesting thing to have PCs having to deal with someone who is a lot like a PC. Uh, I would definitely have put her in during Legion so she could definitely deal with the whole, because, you know, Legion has a certain resemblance to the Reapers. And from there, I would have her become, like, the staunchest defender of the Alliance. And, again, not she doesn't have any particular animus against the Horde. It's just while the Horde are a threat, that's what she's focused on. The second the Horde back off, she's like, okay, we're done. Now I'm going to watch you because you're a possible threat, but I'm not, you know, I don't have any interest in continuing this war past that point. I'm just here to save my people. And that's how I would like, that's the character I would like to see. Plus, I would love it if, A, I would love to use her to establish that Anduin Rin is, in fact, a member of Anduin Lothar's family, that, that he and Varian were his, like, you know, nephew and grand and great-nephew at this point. And therefore, she'd be, like, an older relative. Because she'd be, like, if even, you know, even accounting for, like, time, the time, you know, weird timeness of this game. She'd be Varian's she'd be, age. Yeah, she'd be in her 40s. So, yeah, so she could be there. She could basically be this, you know, hard bitten, didn't get raised as nobility, didn't get raised as royalty, you know, definitely all about fighting. And you could make her the arms, the arms woman of the uh, new order of the horse. And she could use Ashkandi in game because somebody has to be using Ashkandi in game. Why is this thing not being used by somebody in game? I'm telling you, it's crazy. So she would be using it and I would like her. And that would be it. That's what I would do. What would you do? Did I ever tell you about the one time that I made like a blood elf paladin character just because I wanted to play a paladin and then I decided that like her backstory was just it wasn't necessarily her backstory but the character herself she was like really gruff and gross and like the type of person who would walk in with mud all over the plate boots and put them on the on the priceless coffee table just because and then like pick her teeth at the table. <laughs> Tell me about the paladin. I remember you telling me that. <laughs> yeah, the paladin. The paladin was just like she was. She was not very blood elf for being a blood elf. But anyway, regardless, that has nothing to do with anything. I actually, um, when you said 
somebody that like represented the player character or felt like they were a player character or that kind of thing that's kind of actually where I was going um I don't think I'd do anybody that was related to any sort of lore characters or anything like that because you know when you say original character I figure somebody who doesn't already exist or doesn't like there's no place in the story for them um and I don't know I feel like there should be one Alliance version of this character and one Horde version of this character. And I feel like I would put in somebody who is basically your buddy. There's something kind of like that when you go do the new troll starting zone. Um, you you run into like a couple of characters who are training alongside you and, and preparing to leave and all of that other stuff. Um, something kind of like that. Only this character wouldn't give you quests they just show up every now and again to have a chat with you about what's going on and maybe ask you to fill them in on what's going on or maybe fill you in on what's going on and not really serve as like somebody who's directly a part of the narrative but more like a character who is bringing that narrative to you and giving you a refresher sort of like uh oh was that 5.1 or 5.2 it was 5.2 i think when we, we were doing the um dominance offensive offensive or operation shield wall and the dominance offensive um if you mm-hmm. were a horde character when you were traveling to wherever you needed to go you were on a kite with one of the oh my gosh what's the name of the monkey people Oh, uh, not the Jinyu, the Hosen. Hosen, thank you. I'm like, I'm thinking Jinyu. No, that's the fish guys. Uh, Hosen. So there was this little Hosen guy who would fly you to places on a kite. And while you were flying, he would talk to you about what was going on and like mention things that were going on. And it was basically just kind of an opportunity for a little bit of a narrative fill in. And I feel like having a character like that in a game like this where the story is so big and sprawls so many years and so much stuff, it would be really handy to have a character introduced like that. Who's just, they're not even like, they're not even really relevant to the narrative or anything like that. They just pop in every now and again. They're one of your buddies that just pops in every now and again and lets you know what's going on or asks you what's going on or gives you some kind of opinions and, and you know their opinions that makes you think about what's happening in the story and I feel like a character like that would really be helpful particularly in expansions where the story maybe wasn't quite as obvious as people would have liked to it to have been that's what I would throw out there um which I know isn't really as interesting as Edwin Lothar's mysterious daughter that we don't know I'm about, never letting but... that go I'm never letting it go um, yeah, and initially, uh, the the other thing that I would have said is I'd bring in Tandred Proudmore, but they did that, so. <laughs> yeah, I I'm know. cool with that. I'm cool with that. <laughs> okay, uh, I hope now that answers your question. Now they have to bring back Pained. Yeah. I want to know more about Pained. What was up with her? What was her deal? I, I'm Are we upset sure she's that, dead? I'm upset that she disappeared like died before we even discovered who she was or what her deal was because her I want to find out that she didn't die. I want to find out that she was super traumatized and she wandered off to try and deal with the trauma. Her then name maybe was maybe just... she went back to Yeah. Her name was just Why so was interesting. There? And it's like was she was she like a reference to somebody on the team? Was she was she uh, an insert for somebody who like had a character with that name like what was her deal we never found out and I was kind of upset about that but oh well uh there was a lot I was upset about when we lost Sarah Moore but you know moving on uh we got another email here this one's from Baragorn a warlock of Cadgar who says hey folks so by now people have seen what happens to end the war campaign I was just really curious the Forsaken Guard gives Sylvanas a look when she says they are nothing could the Forsaken be more loyal to the Horde than we thought certainly some individuals will be loyal to Sylvanas but do we have any inkling or theory of what the Forsaken will want to do now I'm hoping that this is a start for them to become true members of a new Horde have a good week and thanks all Baragorn Warlock of Cadgar I think at least partially one of the things that that scene establishes yes in, and we've we've had this for a while we've had this as going back as far as the desolate council is that does Sylvanas have a cult of personality among the forsaken yes are they by and large extremely loyal to her absolutely they are but the fact that characters like Leonid Bartholomew have existed since vanilla and are like no she's crazy 
I am not following that woman. She is out of her mind. That's it is possible for Forsaken to they they do think they're not under her control. There's extremely strong reasons. There's cultural programming. There is that the Forsaken are not the scourge. They are not mindless soldiers under one banner. Con, con, you know, controlled by one person. That's not what they are. Yeah, their yeah. loyalty was was to a degree earned. She came along. When they were all like, you know, the Lich King was losing control over them. They didn't have any idea what was happening. Suddenly they were like regaining their consciousness to a degree. And it was horrifying and perplexing and they didn't know what to do. They were cognizant of the idea that not only were they dead, but they were also gradually cognizant of everything that they had done while they were part of the Scourge. So you had these people who were just traumatized beyond belief. And I think you definitely, when you see the, the, the Forsaken as they are now, the other thing you have to keep in mind is that many Forsaken were raised after the Lich King died. Yeah. And when they were raised, they're given this, you know, okay, here you are, we've raised you. You can keep being this and and join the Forsaken and serve us, or I can put you back in the ground. And being being Forsaken is no picnic. Your your body is rotting. In many ways, you're significantly more fragile but you're still here. And the choice is being offered at that point. Yeah. I want to go back, though, to the moment that Sylvanas brought the Forsaken together and made them the Forsaken in the first place. Because here's what you have. You have the former citizens of Lordaeron who have suddenly come back into their own and regained their free will. They are cognizant of what has happened to them. They are cognizant of everything that they have done while they were scourged. They are cognizant of the fact that probably a good chunk of them killed their own friends and family and wiped out most of the population of Lord some of Ron. whom even then raised this forsaken themselves themselves yeah so some people that's in a your, lot like, that's yeah. a that's a that's a lot to deal with so they're kind of in shock wandering around probably you know horrified just just think about what that might feel like and here comes sylvanus windrunner uh a high, a former high elf ranger general who was not a member of Lord Ron had nothing to do with that. But what she does do is she stands in front of all of them and says, I know what happened to you. It happened to me too. It's horrible. That guy over there did it. Let's go get him. That gave them a purpose. That gave them something to focus on. And that gave them a banner to rally under. And they followed. They absolutely pure- followed her at that point. It- in that period where like not only did they have nothing but any attempt they were making to to reach out to the outside world to say hey oh yeah good luck yeah no yeah and no nobody wanted to hear it the humans destroyed any forsaken that came down to try and be an envoy they just wiped them out the closest people that they had that that were like representatives of humanity were the scarlet crusade and we all know how they felt about the forsaken so you know yeah and so all of that adds together, all the stuff that's happened since, to create this cult of personality. But they are still thinking, feeling beings, even if their way they feel is twisted up by the curse and all that. When Sylvanas says, you are, you are all nothing, and it's important, it wasn't when she said the Horde is nothing. It was when she said, you are all nothing, that the, uh, the, the Forsaken standard bearer I thought it when, what was when she said, the Horde is nothing. She says the horde is nothing, and then, and then she noticed that 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 Tink Tink Tinkerbell looked at her, and that's when she said, "You are all nothing." Yeah, you might be right, Uh, but the point being, because she knew at that moment that she had lost him. Yeah, and what she did when she did that was she basically said, "All the sacrifices, all the losses, all the pain, everything you've endured because I told you we should endure it. I didn't. I didn't really mean it. I didn't care." about what you, I don't care about your loyalty, your sacrifice. And that's the Forsaken of at this point lost so much more. They lost Lordaeron and they lost it because of her. And they're not stupid. They know that those plague bombs were not set off by the Alliance. No, the Alliance does not use plague bombs because they would kill them. And hell, this plague is so bad. Even Forsaken can't take it. Where did, where did that come from? They know where it came from up to this point. They have been operating on trust. That, yes, she did that, but it's Sylvanas. 
She brought us together when nobody else would. And she, you know, carried us forward when nobody else would. And she treated us like people when nobody else would. And that was enough for them for the longest time. And I feel like when she started to lose it, well, she didn't start to lose it. I feel like that shift happened. Keep in mind that they weren't all blindly following. There's there's evidence all over the place that they weren't all blindly following Sylvanas. And you, I know you mentioned, um, oh my gosh. You Bartholomew. Yeah, you mentioned Bartholomew and you mentioned the others that were there that didn't actually follow her. But beyond that, um, if you're playing it in Classic, by the way, you can still play this quest chain. And I highly recommend that you do. If you go to Terran Mill, there's a quest chain out there where you are set to find... A, a group of traitors to Sylvanas that have defected and tried to join up with the humans over by the Dalaran bubble. And when you go over there and you take care of these traitors, and I'm air quoting here because there needs to be air quotes, um, one of the last people that you get rid of is this, uh, uh, this woman, this mage woman, who I think her name is—it's not Belisra because that's the night elf. I think it's Bellara or something like that. Uh, you get her journal. Her journal drops, and you can read through that journal, and she talks about why these guys came to her and what was going on. And if you read through it, you get the very much get the impression that this was not a case of them being traitors or anything like that. It was them being very worried about stuff that Sylvanas was monkeying with that she wasn't necessarily supposed to be monkeying with. So even all the way back then, and like I said, you can go back in Classic right now and you can play through this quest chain and I highly recommend that you do. But even all the way back then, there were Forsaken who were kind of looking at her and going... I don't I don't know about this. I don't feel quite as comfortable about this as maybe I should be. So this has been kind of like a slow moving sort of thing, but I feel like it started gaining steam a little bit when the Lich King was killed. Cuz once we got rid of the Lich King, that whole that whole banner that they rallied under, the one where they rallied for vengeance, that was taken care of. So what's their purpose after that? And yeah, that's I mean, why Sylvanas jumped off the frozen throne because she figured, okay, well, I'm done here. See ya. And then she realized, oh, wait, no, there is more here that we could be doing. And also, I really don't want any of these Forsaken to experience that darkness that I just saw. So she went on this whole crusade to figure out a way for them to procreate and keep living onward and keep making more of them even though the lich king was gone and there's a good thing in before in in before the storm mm -hmm. that points out that not all forsaken want what she's offering no like she's trying to give them immortality effectively she's trying to make them permanent and they don't necessarily want it some of them are like okay what's wrong with going we you know i was everybody dies and Maybe I could just die. I, I you know, some I don't need of, to. Get some of them forever. would 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 very much appreciate just resting finally and being done with it because they were brought back to life when they never should have been, and a lot of there there are more and more of them that are cognizant of that, and they don't want to live forever. They don't want to live forever thing. the way that they are. Yeah, there's that thing that Sylvanas used to say all the time: "What are we if not slaves to this torment?" And for a lot of Forsaken, the answer is, well, I don't, maybe I don't, can't get rid of the torment, but I don't have to be its slave. I can stop. And why are you so determined that we shouldn't? Why do you want to make more people like us? Like what, if what we are is a torment, why spread it? So there's, there's always been dissension, but what's really interesting here is that her, her, her extremely loyal followers, and many of them are still extremely loyal, are loyal to her, not to like, they're not compul. There's no compulsion here. There's no, she's not compelling them to be loyal. It's very much a case. There's a few times, a few quests where it's, it's really weird. And I'll, I'll, I'll go to the end of my day saying Fenris Island, those undead are being controlled. Yeah. But for most of it, it's really a case of they're given a choice. Do you want existence or non-existence? And when they take existence, they are brought into what is essentially a cult. Kind they of. are, you, you are, you're brought back from the dead that's something cults do all the time is they, they break you down till you have nothing. And then they offer you something. With, <laughs> and these guys with, literally have nothing because they are yeah. nothing until they're brought back, you know? Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's even more effective. 
but they can think for themselves. Heck, look at Lillian Voss, who rejected it from the beginning. Lillian has finally gotten to the point where she's like, yeah, I guess I am a Forsaken. I am one of them. But she's never bought into what Sylvanas is selling. She's, she's made a very good like, show of pretending that she has. But that's all it is, is pretense. Yeah, very much. So can they be, can they, here's the thing. Here's what would be needed for the Forsaken to, to be fully integrated into whatever the Horde becomes. A, the Horde themselves have to actually welcome them. And honestly, Sorfang showed more concern about the Forsaken than Sylvanas did. Yeah. Because he didn't, he didn't say those are the Horde and, of course, those stinky Forsaken who aren't Horde. He straight up said those are the Horde. When she came out with that Forsaken as her standard bearer, he he challenges her to Matt and accepts that that Forsaken is her. Ch- it's That's who's there for her. That's who's who's doing this. There's, there is a chance if the Forsaken are actually accepted into the Horde, they could become part of it. They could be integrated. And I feel like there's there's a growing number of them, obviously, that do feel like because the thing is, is like when push came to shove and they were looking for someone to ally with, they were looking for someone they they sent representatives. Sylvana sent representatives to the alliance and she sent representatives to the horde and the representatives that were sent to the alliance never returned. But the Horde was willing to look past that and the Horde was willing to take them in. So to a degree, the Horde did kind of a lesser version of what Sylvanas herself did when she stood before all of them and said, follow me. You have nowhere to go. You don't know what to do. I'll show you. And I think there was a a very large chunk of Forsaken that appreciated that. Um... The other thing that I feel like we should point out too, and and we mentioned this on Lore Watch, but um, I think we should just go ahead and mention it here too since we're on this subject. There was a shift to Sylvanas. Sylvanas has shifted. And it was during Legion. And we we talked about this in Lore Watch, but there was was a moment there where, because for the longest time, you know, when she came back, when she came back from, when the Valkyr brought her back, she was very focused on finding a way to make the Forsaken continue. And in Legion, she was looking for that lantern specifically for that purpose. She was looking for that lantern so she could enslave some more Valkyr so they could raise more Forsaken so that everything could continue. That's what she was doing. When Gen broke that lamp, something happened. We don't know what. We didn't see her for the longest time, really. And when we did start seeing her in detail again, she started, it, it was It was much less about the Forsaken and more about this thing that she was doing, whatever it was. I still feel like all of this ties to Helia. Whatever that deal was that she made with Helia, there, there's something going on here. And if you want to hear more about that, I really recommend you go listen to Lore Watch because we did talk about all of this in detail. And we also bounced it off of Joe, too, and he had his own thoughts on the matter. So, um, But yeah. I think maybe we've talked this subject enough. Do you think so? <laughs> yeah, I will. One thing I will say really fast before we move on to the next thing is I also think the Azerite had an effect. That, too. Because before, yeah. she, touched, before she touched the Azeroth, the Azerite, she seemed a lot less monofocused but touching the azurite seemed to have gotten her it seemed to have jump-started her brain and gotten her thinking stuff and doing stuff that she wasn't doing before yeah and i don't i don't really know exactly what she is up to now but i still feel like we don't really know i i still feel like all of this ties back to whatever that deal was that she made with helia and whatever that deal was that she made with helia is it's it's beyond anything that we know of to date as far as like how Azeroth works, the light, the void, old gods, that kind of thing. It it goes into death in a way that we've never really explored. Um, possibly something to do with the Shadowlands. I don't know. But yeah, if you want to hear more information about that, I really recommend listening to Lore Watch because we do talk about all this in detail. Um, because there really was. There was a shift with Sylvanas and I feel like it was due to something that we maybe weren't paying attention to or hadn't been fully explained just yet. So, you know. Uh, last email that we've got. Actually, this is a Discord comment from Tetsumi who says, on the last Blizzard Watch podcast, may have been pre-show. You know what? This was probably 
like a couple of shows ago. I don't know. Uh, Matt was discussing that the Night Elves weren't at Orgrimmar in the Alliance troops, but the Night Elf archers definitely were. Is this a mistake on Blizzard's part as scenery, or did the faction of Night Elves go with the Alliance to get their shot at Sylvanas? One of the archers is heard lamenting that if they'd just been a little closer, they could have ended Sylvanas. Seems like a bit of story disconnect from Tyrande isn't here because she's getting her vengeance for claiming Darkshore. Um, actually, yeah, there is there is like a little contingent of Night Elf archers there. There, it's definitely not the entire army or anything. It's more like um, it's Chandris's loyal troops. It's yeah, specifically it's Chandris's people. It's it's Chandris's troops. There's like two groups out there, and Chandris. Chandris is out there too. Um, yeah, keep in mind, Chandris has been in part of the of the uh, Alliance War campaign from the beginning. Um, she has not been deferring to Tyrande. She has, on her own accord, taken it upon herself to prosecute the war against the Horde, and she's been doing it. She, she, you see, Chandris during the Darkshore invasion part, where where Tyrande goes to become the Night Warrior. She very much doesn't agree with it. No, and she when, knows what's going on here. Yeah, yeah. And when Tyrande does it, Tyrande reaches out to Maiev, not Chandris. And Chandris takes her, you know, takes her people. I don't feel like she was exiled or anything. I just feel like she decides, well, I'm going to go and attack the enemy. You, you can do this here. I'm going to prosecute the actual war. So she goes off and we haven't, there's nothing in game about how this shakeout has affected their relationship. Um, Taronda has been the equivalent of, of Chandris's mother for 10,000 years. Yeah. Uh, but at this point, it's interesting because there's been a lot of times where the story presents Chandris almost as a child still. And that's weird. It's very silly because, because yeah, at this both, point, both of them are so old that age just doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. And I do like the fact that Chandris is doing things on her own. She's making her own decisions. She's got people who are loyal to her. And she is the general of the Sentinel Army. If she says, I'm going to do this, there are plenty of members of the Sentinel Army who will come with her. And I think that's what you've got there at in, in Orgrimmar. That's Chandris and the people who are reporting directly to Chandris. Um, obviously, the vast majority of the war of the of the army is still up in Darkshore. Keep in mind, too, there's a new army. The, the army of the Dark Moon is a new army that they have created. Uh, that is, a lot of them have taken the same, they're, they're night warriors, like they've, they've effectively been inspired by Taranda and have embraced the vengeful side as well. Yeah. That's a different force. It's its own thing. Um, so there are there are some shifts and changes coming in Night of Society that we haven't seen the shakeout for yet. We don't know how it's all going to end up. We know that Maiev is the one more or less in charge at Darkshore, with Taranda and Malfurion basically acting as the overall leaders. It's when you do the Warfront, it's it's Maiev who, who's like giving you orders. It, it, and you know when you're dealing with the various. Um, Oh, I know the Summer Moon is there, Delane Summer Moon. Um, I can't remember the other one. The, the, Delarin the and uh, I can't the remember warden. her name. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. When the other warden, the one that's become a dark warden working for Sylvanas, when she confronts the Alliance, uh, Maya even responds in horror, like, oh, like, what has she done to you? And so it doesn't mean that, you know, it's still not the same as Taronda showing up with the entire Night Elf military. It's very much Chandris and those troops either either like her escort or personally loyal to her. It's and it's I think you said it was like two groups. It's not a lot. It's not it's, a big. Contingent. Yeah, it's like it's like two small contingents. I took some screenshots of them because they were very pretty and they're wearing those uniforms that I wish you could get. And Transmog, hello Blizzard, are you listening? We'd like those Night Elf Archer uniforms. Thanks. Okay, but yeah, it was two groups. Sorry. Oh, that's fine. Uh, I, yeah. So. Are they there? Yes. Do they represent night elves as a whole? No. It would be like if there was like a, a big dwarf army with like one or two groups of human riflemen in it. That doesn't make the humans. It doesn't mean that like Stormwind has actually sent that many people. Um, or it's for that matter, the third war, there were the free Gilneas company. That was like one group of people. It wasn't like the whole Gilnean army. Or the third like, war, there were the group, there was the group that Jaina brought to Thera, or brought to Theramore, like brought to Kalimdor. She didn't represent yeah. all of humanity. She was just this small group that had moved over. Yeah. Some of them were from, from Kul Tiris. Some of them were from, you know, various kingdoms from of Lord the Fallen. From or areas around. around that. Yeah, that kind of thing. And she actually had the free Gilneas with her. 
they'd come with her. So yeah, it doesn't mean that she had Gilneas with her. She had like some people from Gilneas, just not the whole group. It's it's kind of along those lines, but yeah, it it and and as far as you know, Taronda's absence, that's <laughs> you know, we're talking about doing weekly lore watches. It's really good that we decided to do one. Anyway, so this week we're going to be talking about the stuff that was missing from that whole 8.2.5 thing. Uh we'll be talking about Taronda more mm-hmm. than a little during all of this. So, uh all of this and more is going to come up. Everything we just talked about is definitely going to get mentioned. Yeah, that's, that's going to be... Because it is kind of curious that she wasn't there. And it's also kind of curious what was said about her. And there's more there that needs to be discussed. But yeah, there were, there were night elves. There were night elves at the whole experience thing. Um, it was just... It was, it was a handful, really. It wasn't the entire group. It was just Chandris's troops, basically. And Chandris herself was there. Um, she didn't really say a whole heck of a lot either, really. Nope. I have to um, say, though, um, big ups to the confidence in those archers that, yeah, if we were just a little closer, we could have ended Sylvanas. Yeah, no. You did see the part where she turned into a smoke cloud and flew away, right? <laughs> I don't know about you, but my arrows don't do a lot to smoke clouds. I want to know, like, did she go full Banshee at that point? Is that what that was? And it if so, like, like intro, does she yeah. coalesce back into her body or what? what happens there, you know? I mean, she She's didn't leave a body, a body behind, so... She's got a body when you see her later at the tower, so I'm thinking she recoalesces into it, which is like just like, whoa. She's she's definitely leveled did, up on the weird shadow necromancy. To, yeah, I was going to say, how did she figure out how to do that? How to, how to like, switch back and forth? Because it was, like, a big deal back in Warcraft 3 when she actually, like, found her body again and got it back because she was just the Banshee for the longest time. But I don't... Yeah, I don't know. It's pretty cool. It's interesting. It's all stuff to think about. Uh, regardless, though, I think we could probably wrap it up here. Yeah? Yep. Okay. Anyway, uh, Blizzard Watch. It's made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch, and your continued support means that this podcast site community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thank you very much, Anne. Uh, again, guys, if you have a question for the podcast, and we could really use questions for the podcast in the next couple of weeks, uh, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with a subject line, uh, podcast or Blizzard Watch, or go to our Discord server and hip- hop into the podcast and Q questions channel, and then just tell us if it's for this podcast, and go ahead and ask, because we could totally use them. But this has been the Blizzard Watch podcast, everybody. Uh, thank you so much for listening with us, and we will be here next week. 